I seek refuge uh, with Allah from Satan the accursed in the name of Allah the gracious and merciful. Peace be upon you, good morning. Welcome to the breakfast show of the Voice of Islam with Imam Tukit and Khan and myself, Wali At The time is uh, three minutes past seven. It's Friday, the 15th of September 2023. As always, we have a very interesting show. I'm uh, sure you'll agree. This morning, the breakfast show is an interactive broadcast. It means that all our listeners have the opportunity should they wish to uh, avail it, uh, to join in any of the discussions that are taking place during the course of the bro- uh, program. All you need to do is to pick up the phone and dial 0208-687-7878 and share your thoughts with us. Uh, alternatively, you can use more modern methods, uh, X or Tweet, uh, Twitter as it was once known as, uh, and um, communicate uh, to us where our handle is uh, Voice of Islam UK. Uh, there are a variety of different subjects I'm going to be exploring this morning. Um, so do take a plunge and make contact with us on anything that has stimulated your interest. Uh, in a few minutes' time, we'll begin with the rundown of the weather. We're going on to examine some of the news stories that are circulating around uh, the uh, wider media these days, as well as looking into uh, what is uh, taking place uh, with regard to the activities of the Hamdi Muslim community. Um, we won't be spending too much time on these stories, but we'll try and rattle through as many as possible during the first half hour. Now, those familiar with the show will know that we uh, normally have hone in on two main topics uh, that we deal with. Uh, and today we'll be looking at um, topics that are related to good health. Uh, the first relates to a study reported in Science Daily. We suggest that uh, platelets uh, can replicate the benefits of exercise in the brain. So that is the title of our first topic. Platelets can replicate the benefits of exercise in the brain. And this is particularly beneficial to those who are not able to exercise physically for one reason or another. And uh, we'll be reviewing this uh, particular topic between 7.30 and 8 o'clock this morning. So if you're interested in this, uh, then do make sure you remain tuned in during that uh, time, the second half hour of the of the program. Now, staying with health, we'll be exploring the topic of napping. You know, uh, forty winks. Uh, sometimes it's uh, referred to, um, and this is something that uh, we picked up from the degree of religions. And the title is "The Science of Midday Napping." Uh, we'll be discussing issues related to this subject with Professor Damien uh, Bailey. Um, who is uh, a Royal Society uh, Wolfson Research Fellow and Professor of Physiology and Biochemistry at the University of South Wales. Uh, we also expect to be joined by uh, Dr. Emma Newport, uh, a Senior Lecturer in Physiology uh, at the University of Portsmouth. And finally, uh, we shall be sharing the thoughts of Professor Amtul Razak Carmichael. Uh, she is a consultant. Uh, we spoke to her earlier and so we'll be sharing her thoughts on this uh, particular topic um, you know, with you and uh, doing that particular segment. So that's going to be uh, after the 8 o'clock news that uh, we'll be broaching that particular topic. So I hope you can uh, work out, you can discern that we really have a packed program this morning. Uh, and don't forget, we'll be having the Islamic view to all that we discuss throughout the course of the program. Um, and uh, so without further ado, let's go straight uh, to the weather uh, and news after this short interlude. Uh, don't go away. Allah, Allah. 
You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Peace be upon you. Good morning. Welcome back to the Breakfast Show at the Voice of Islam with uh, Imam Tuki Tanvi and myself, Walid Ahmed. The time is 8 minutes past 7. It's Friday the 15th of September 2023. As far as the uh, weather is concerned, today uh, as the BBC forecasters are saying that we will have rain that will continue to affect Northern Ireland and South uh, Scotland but diminish in Northern England. Uh, the remainder of England and Wales and Northern Scotland will be dry with sunny spells. Uh, in the evening, uh, rain will become patchier and lighter across the Northern Ireland and Southern uh, Scotland regions. Uh, it will continue cloudy for Northern England. Elsewhere will be dry with uh, clear spells. So that's what uh, the uh, forecasters are predicting. Normally they are not uh, too wrong, so that's what we have in store for us uh, later on during this day. Um, in regards to the uh, activities that are taking place, I suppose the, one of the activities that is taking place in the Amdi Muslim community is the big open day that uh, is uh, occurring uh, this weekend. Uh, it is part of the Open House Initiative where uh, that organization open, called Open House invites uh, the members of the public to visit various uh, iconic buildings in the capital. Uh, I think there's some 117 total of them, and uh, among them is the Bethlehem Mosque, which is the largest mosque in Western Europe, biggest mosque in Britain, uh, having a capacity, uh, an estimate capacity of uh, 14,000 worshippers. Um, <coughs> so that's taking place this weekend. Uh, visitors are expected uh, between uh, 10:30 and 5. And uh, if uh, you are interested in uh, looking at uh, the uh, uh, this particular building in greater detail, then do please uh, make your way uh, to uh, Morden and to the borough of Merton and uh, see what you can find. Um, so that's uh, this weekend. Earlier uh, this week, um, the foundation stone of the mosque in Huddersfield was laid. Uh, it's uh, Battle Tawheed. Uh, is the name being given to that mosque. Uh, so that's one of the uh, 26 mosques, that uh, purpose-built mosques, that the community has been able uh, to build. So the foundation stones uh, laid, not the uh, construction, that's something that's going to follow. And that will make it uh, the 26th or 27th mosque that uh, has been built in this country by the Amdi Muslim community. Uh, so those are the main events that I can I can think of. Uh, uh, Imam Toki will uh, be, I'm sure, telling us uh, of what else is avail- uh, is of uh, news regarding the activities of the Muslim community later on in a few minutes' time. With regard to the wider media, I suppose um, there has been a lot of news concerning uh, disasters that have been taking place in North Africa. Uh, the Moroccan earthquake uh, was one that caused devastation 
uh, in that country, uh, 6.8 on the Richter scale, I think it was measured. And uh, it's the strongest to hit the country uh, in more than a century. Uh, it struck uh, last Friday at around uh, 11, 11 p.m. local time. Uh, subsequent shocks also took place hours or days later. Uh, epicenter is in the high Atlas mountain range, uh, uh, some 45 miles from the popular tourist and economic hub of Marrakesh. Uh, devastation was sustained most uh, severely in the towns and villages uh, near the base of the Atlas Mountains, but also affecting the center and suburbs of Marrakesh. Uh, over 3,000 people have died and uh, as many injured. Aid agencies are poured in to give uh, relief our own humanity first. This is the uh, a humanitarian organization of the Amity Muslim Committee has been there since the 11th, working with its partners and local authorities. They report an urgent need for shelter, water, sanitation, bedding, first aid, and they are asking for support uh, and listeners to visit hfuk.org, uh, disaster relief, uh, to offer their support. Um, so that's... Uh, something that is happening in the northern parts of Africa, in Morocco in particular. And uh, Humanity First is asking for support. Uh, sim- not too dissimilar, another disaster that uh, has hit North Africa was in Libya. And uh, this was in the form of a storm that led to uh, Two successive floods which hit uh, uh, Libya, uh, compounded by the breaking of two dams in the process. It left uh, tens of thousands dead, with over 20,000 still missing. Uh, At least 5,000 were at one point confirmed dead in the port of Derna alone. Uh, Now, that was a few days ago. Now, the uh, confirmation uh, is uh, being tabled as 11,000 dead and 900,000 needing assistance. So that's the latest that uh, we're hearing. Many have uh, been married, buried in mass graves, uh, but uh, one of the chief shortages in the city, apart from drink water, is uh, quite macabre body bags. Uh, that's uh, required to prevent disease spreading from unburied bodies. Rescue teams have been able to enter the city and are scouring uh, rubble and ruins left by the floods. The floods have displaced at least 30,000 people in Zerna, according to International Organization for Migration, and damaged or destroyed many access roads to that city. Uh, local authorities were able to clear some routes, and humanitarian convoys have been uh, able to enter the city. Rescue teams have arrived in Libya from Egypt, Tunisia, and United Arab Emirates, Turkey, and Qatar. Most have now reached the city. Turkey is sending a ship carrying uh, equipment to set up two field hospitals, while Egypt has assembled a near uh, army of rescue vehicles that are paraded in front of the country's president, uh, um, Abdel Fattah Sisi, before moving across to the border. So that's uh, what's happening in Africa. So clearly a dire situation and a lot of uh, help is needed. And whatever can be done with supporting our humanitarian agencies, I'm I'm sure will be welcome. Uh, One other piece of news before um, 
we can bring in uh, Imam Tokir is uh, this um, uh, particular restriction that uh, is being imposed in Wales is in the form of uh, the 20 mile per hour limit uh, that is driving on Welsh roads. It's been introduced by the Labour uh, Welsh government. Um, so the default uh, speed uh, on the uh, majority of roads in Wales is going to be not 30 miles an hour, but 20 miles an hour. This is from Sunday. Uh, there have been a lot of uh, protests leading up to it. I say a lot, but I think um, perhaps that may be an exaggeration, but there have been protests, certainly. Now, the Labour Welsh government is saying that it reduces the... Uh, number of accidents as a result of having a lower speed limit, uh, 40% less as is a figure that's been bandied about. Don't know to what extent that's accurate. Um, and uh, um, the uh, opposite argument or the converse argument uh, is that it may reduce accidents, but uh, it is also going to have... Um, a um, detrimental effect on the economy. Um, but then uh, the uh, retort from the supporters of the 20 miles an hour limit then say that uh, saving lives, saving injuries is much more important than uh, yeah, one's economy. Uh, the, it has also been said that uh, those caught driving above 20 miles per, uh, per hour will not have the full thrust of the law imposed upon them with penalties. Uh, but uh, so long as they're not driving above 30 miles uh, an hour, then they will get edu an educational penalty. Uh, so some kind of a course or some kind of uh, other activity that they can engage in rather than the, the three points that are normally imposed on those people breaking the speed limit, and I think there's a £100 fine. Uh, but that's only going to be uh, a c a current for 12 months, that particular leniency. Uh, after 12 months, stricter penalties will be imposed. So that's something that's going on in Wales. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. How are you, sir? Malikum assalamu alhamdulillah. I'm doing very well. And, uh, you know, so our thoughts and prayers go out to the victims of uh, the floods in Libya mm. and uh, also the earthquake um, in Morocco. Um, yeah, I was watching um, an update as well from Humanity First. Our, our team is there on the ground level, you know, they're making, uh, meeting the local people over there as well. And they mentioned some of the issues they've had, you know, some of the basic necessities that... Uh, for sure we take for granted a lot of those um people who have been affected by the earthquake they you know they they need basic necessities so uh you know our thoughts and prayers go out to the victim um in terms of the Ahmadiyya muslim community we know that this week uh his holiness azam zamsura Allah he arrived back to london uh, back to islamabad in in uk um, after a very successful tour um, at Germany. And uh, we know that the annual convention had taken place, but apart from the annual convention as well, there was also the inauguration of uh, various mosques, such as the new Ahmadiyya Mosque, which opened in 
Weibling, Weiblingen in Germany, uh, which is only just inaugurated on the fifth of September, um, and at this occasion, is only just also said. Um, while while at the opening address of the mosque, that a mosque is the place where men and women and children come together to take part in programs and events which are not only beneficial for their moral and spiritual training, rather they even draw their attention and encourage them towards excelling in secular education. They are encouraged to ensure that they follow the laws. of the land and are good citizens and they are informed of the importance of taking care of their neighbors alongside the worship of god these are the qualities that are taught to those who come to the mosque so that was just from one of the inauguration as holiness also inaugurated the fallstad uh, mosque in Ge- in germany and uh, this he did before the He he did on the twenty eighth of August, and um, also explaining the perp- true purpose of a mosque. His Holiness said, and I quote, that a mosque is a house of Allah according to Islam, and a mosque is a place where people gather together to worship the one God and inspire one another to exhibit kindness and love towards each other, in line with the teachings of God Almighty. It is impossible for a person. who truly fulfills the rights of a mosque to carry out any action that goes against the rights of the worship of Allah the Almighty and the rights of humanity and it goes this you know this topic as well goes in very line in what you were mentioning earlier brother believe that uh, there is going to be the um, house opening the doors of the bath of the mosque mm-hmm. will be open to the listeners as well they can come in they can see the architecture of the mosque and really learn a little bit about islam as well how islam teaches peace and you know quite a lot of the times when we do um uh, when we do go out and meet the locals a lot of the question that i have been asked before as well that are people who are not muslim are they really allowed to enter mm. the mosque mm. so this is a common question that people do ask as well because maybe um you know there there's a thought that you know the mosque is not open for everyone or is just for muslims for the worshipers but that is not the case um and we even find example of the holy prophet peace be upon him that he used uh, he opened his mosque and um, he let other worshipers who were not muslims to worship within the mosque as well for example we find an example of the christians of najran that they very freely um prayed within the mosque when it was their time for prayer um and uh, the holy prophet peace be upon them gave gave them permission to do so so the mosque is for for not only for the muslims but for the community at large and also his holiness also inaugurated another mosque in carbon in germany um on the 30th of august and uh, on the opening address speaking on how the mosque is situated near the town center his holiness said that the mosque is in the town center and this is a very good thing because where there are facilities in town for material pursuits there should also be a place for those who desire to remember god 
too, so that they can gather together and worship the one God. In towns, there should be a mosque, a church, and other places of worship too. And when all faiths come together, it will be manifest that religion, religions teach their followers to come together and live and live with one another in harmony. No founder of of no founder of any of the major religions taught their followers to be extremists or to create disorder. Furthermore, His Holiness further stated that according to our belief, all prophets came from God Almighty and they were sent with the teachings to inform people about the worshipping God and fulfill the rights of others. In this way, it is good that we have found a space for the mosque in the centre of the town so that we may be able to inform the people around us of the beautiful teachings of Islam. So that was from uh, some of his um, some of the um, insight as to the the tour which was his holiness took place to uh, Germany. Um, so, uh, brother, believe with the open house, um, will I think one person uh, was asking as well that they they also wanted to share their sentiments or they they also wanted to. Uh, will there be like a discussion forum as well, or will there be a sitting with the with the? Yes, I mean the it's uh, we have a comprehensive set of activities on the day. It's not just a tour, so there'll be uh, plenty of uh, exhibitions uh, to have a look at, and then uh, there'll also be special activities for children. Uh, and there will be an opportunity to sit round uh, tables and uh, engage in discussions should visitors want to, to do so over a cup of tea and light refreshments. Mm. Um, so it is um, a full-fledged uh, affair, much more than just going around and looking at the building. Mm. There will be plenty of opportunity to ask questions and uh, to engage with some of our um, um, uh, volunteers and learn more about the building and uh, of um, who we are and what Islam is. Absolutely. Yeah. Perfect. And any other news? Um, well, um, we're sitting down. Apparently this is not a good thing. Uh, it can increase danger of dementia. This is according to something that I picked up from the Times. It's a study... Uh, that suggests that the longer you sit down during the course of the day uh, with activities like driving, you drive when you're sitting down, watching TV, you, you sit down when you're watching TV, or working on a laptop, uh, uh, well, uh, that's uh, what many people do, or present programs like we are doing. Well, this can increase the risk of dementia if it is, uh, if it is in total over the over a 10-hour period. So it doesn't matter, according to this research, whether there are breaks in between, uh, but uh, the fact that you are uh, sitting down in over a period of 24 hours, you're sitting down 10 hours during that period, then that will increase your uh, susceptibility to dementia. Apparently, the research indicates that it does not matter, as I said, whether the 10 hours were consecutive or spread out and interspersed with activity. Professor Raiklin 
of University of South California, who was a research lead, and gave some assurance to those stuck in a nine-to-five office jobs sitting in front of a computer, saying that this would not in itself be harmful so long as they did not spend another two hours afterwards sitting in front of the television. This study was published in the Journal of American Medical Association. It reported on a sample of 50,000 adults over 60 that an average person spent about nine and a half hours per day sitting down. Uh, Compared with this, those who sat for 10 hours faced an 8% increased risk, and sitting for 12 hours was linked to an increase by 63%. Those who sat for at least 15 hours, almost all their waking hours, were three times more likely to get dementia. Uh, the study builds upon research showing the importance of staying active to stay, stave off dementia. Four in ten dementia cases uh, could be pre- prevented through lifestyle changes, including stopping smoking, uh, losing weight, uh, drinking less alcohol. About 900,000 people have dementia in the UK, and it's, uh, it's expected to rise to 1.6 million by 2040 as the population rises. Um, so. It is uh, going to be, well, it is a problem, and uh, there is uh, quite a deal of concern about uh, trying to tackle uh, this particular challenge. So that's uh, one piece of news. Another piece of news that I picked up was, um, again, to do with health. Um, I suppose our main topics are to do with health, so I think there's no harm in sticking with this particular uh, vein of uh, news. Uh, this is concerning the sugar tax. So this is, I think, in yesterday's Times. It says that health organizations have called for taxes to cut sugar and salt intake among adults, reducing the rates of cancer, diabetes, and heart problems. Uh, the Recipe for Change Coalition, which includes a number of bodies, uh, have produced a report calling for healthier food. Uh, the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine said a levy could reduce uh, the salt intake of an average adult. Uh, so they're very much uh, proponents of some kind of tax to reduce the intake of uh, sugar. Uh, now, the Institute uh, said uh, that reducing intake would prevent uh, almost 2 million cases of chronic disease over 25 years, including more than a million cases of cardiovascular disease, more than half a million of type 2 diabetes, and thousands of cases of cancer and respiratory disease. Um, So the uh, benefits uh, it's predicting are going to be enormous. Uh, The Shadow Health Secretary uh, has said that he would not support public health measures that made the price of a family shop more expensive, but accepted a role for more effective regulation. So he's against uh, any tax rises. Uh, government analysis has found the sugar tax on soft drinks, uh, now currently being imposed, has cut the amount of people that, that consume and are driven um, and have driven industry, the, um, the industry that uh, makes such drinks and uh, products that contain sugar um, and has driven them to engage in efforts to reformulate targets for salt and sugar and other products remain voluntary, uh, however, and have failed to hit government's, uh, government targets. So that's uh, the news about um, sugar tax. Um, I don't know, we, we haven't had a conversation about football. I don't know whether you've watched the... Uh, 
match between England and Scotland uh, recently? I think I was more interested in what's happening with the uh, with cricket. So uh, there is the Asia Cup, which was uh-huh. which was happening. So what was the big match there? Uh, so the big match have been uh, between India and Pakistan. Mm. And Some people are saying it's the, it's the most watched um, sporting fixture. Mm. Um, over and above any other fixtures, is that that's probably right, isn't it? There's a there's a lot of people who watch that particular rivalry. I think that must be true because mm. uh, everyone does. Uh, even even where I work, I think when whenever India and Pakistan mm. are playing, mm. everyone's intrigued as to what's the outcome of the match but uh, just yesterday uh, Pakistan was uh, playing against Sri Lanka mm-hmm. and in order for them to obtain a place in the final uh, they had to beat Sri Lanka but uh, it was uh, actually Sri Lanka who had taken the win oh yeah. I see so, so Pakistan are out then so it, it looks like the final will now be between India and Sri Lanka aha uh-huh. mm-hmm. okay this is in what what what's the name of the competition? Is it? Uh, this is the the Asia Cup. Asia Cup. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, <coughs> and you you haven't been following football at all. There was no Premiership uh, this week, so mm. it was a bit boring. Okay. Uh, only uh, England versus Scotland. England versus Scotland. England versus Ukraine as well. Uh, that took place before that uh, particular fixture. A lot of people are raving about. Uh, the England uh, midfielder uh, Duke Bellingham uh, talk about him actually um, captaining England in the future and winning the Ballon d'Or, becoming the best player uh, in the world. Um, he's only 20, so there may well be a possibility that he could uh, reach uh, those kind of heights. Uh, but I think it's early days yet. Um, if he uh, uh, goes along the trajectory that um, is now current, then uh, he may well be one of the best players in the world. And the fact that he's uh, English is uh, is, uh, a source of great encouragement for many, many supporters. Hence the hype uh, that is uh, taking place around him. But we'll see whether that actually happens or not. I think the next few years will tell us. Um, Moving on, uh, if we can uh, look at the uh, first of our main topics, uh, we were looking... Uh, to explore the issue around platelets. Apparently, they can replicate the benefits of uh, exercise in the brain, and that uh, can yield to, uh, that can lead to other benefits. It's something that we picked up from the um, Science Daily uh, website, and um, it's um, concerning preclinical trials held by the University of uh, Queensland where researchers have found that an injection of a specific uh, blood factor can replicate the benefits of exercise in the brain. So you may ask, so what? Uh, Well, we'll let you know as to why that can be of uh, further benefit. Um, Dr. Odette Leiter and Dr. Tara Walker, uh, that's uh, the main researchers, it seems, uh, from the University of Queensland, Uh, Brain Institute, Uh, they led a team which discovered platelets, uh, the tiny blood uh, cells critical for blood clotting. They discovered that uh, these particular uh, um, cells secrete a protein 
that rejuvenates neurons in aged mice in a similar way to phys- physical exercise. So that's the, uh, the advantage, that's the benefit, uh, the re- rejuvenation of neurons. The researchers focused on uh, exerkines, the biological compounds released into the bloodstream uh, during exercise, which are believed to stimulate the exercise-induced response in the brain. Uh, Dr. Walker said the findings have significant implications for the development of drug interventions for a lot of people with health conditions, mobility issues, or of advanced age, exercise isn't possible. So pharmacological intervention is an important area of research. So this is um, a statement from... uh, Dr. Odette, uh, Dr. Walker, Dr. Tara Walker, and she went on to say we can now target platelets, platelets to promote neurogenesis, enhance cognition, and counteract age-related cognitive cognitive decline. Uh, the researcher said the next step to test the response in Alzheimer's disease mice before moving uh, towards human trials. And Dr. Walker also said that it is important to note this is not a replacement for exercise, but it can help the very elderly or someone who has had a brain injury or stroke to uh, improve cognition. Um, So I suppose it also uh, conveys the message uh, to those who are able-bodied of the importance of exercise uh, that apart from improving their physical health, it can also, it certainly has an impact on uh, other aspects of good health as well, uh, particularly when it comes to um, good health uh, concerning uh, the brain. So uh, that's uh, what this report is about. There is, of course, uh, an Islamic angle, Imam Babir. Uh, so yes. perhaps you can let us know more about that. Yes. I mean, it's a very interesting uh, topic looking at this that... Um uh, when when we are looking at some of these findings, they they found that uh, you know that an injection of a specific blood factor can replicate the benefits of uh, exercise in the brain. And uh, whenever it comes to exercise, we do um, look at the Islamic perspective as well, and we do look at the. Um, you know the the life of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him, the promised Messiah peace be upon him, and uh, the successors of the promised Messiah. And we we see that how even during their lives they looked after themselves, um, and uh, just as it says in the Holy Quran as well, you know that even um, our body has a right on us. So it is very important that when we are in such a busy lifestyle as well that we take time out to even go for a walk and look after our healthy lifestyle as well and as with all matters concerning a Muslim life you will find that Islam provides guidance and a pure healthy life so in the Holy Quran when it comes to eating um, Allah the Almighty he says even with regards to eating in chapter 5 verse 89 the name of Allah, the gracious, the merciful, and eat of what, of which Allah has provided for you, of what is lawful and good, and fear Allah in whom you believe. So even when it comes to eating, Allah the Almighty says that you should eat 
what is lawful and what is good for you and at another place he says that and he it is who brings into being gardens trellised and untrellised and date palms and cornfields whose fruits of diverse kinds and the olives and the pomegranates alike and unlike eat of the fruit of each when it bears fruit but pay his due on the day of harvest and exceed not the bounds surely allah loves not those who exceed the bounds and uh, so that means that eating and drinking are natural habits of man and they are carried out in order to survive but even in doing something as simple as eating one must exercise excellent judgment and in this verse god almighty here admonishes us to set certain limits while we should keep our physical well-being intact we should also maintain social order and bear in mind the true purpose of our lives and the essence of good conduct is in moderation balance harmony resistant patience and forgiveness and there are hundreds of ways of showing ideal islamic manners and islam lays great emphasis upon promoting the well-being of the physical aspect of a human and both men and women are encouraged to participate in sports and look after their physical health uh, because believers can better perform their duties if they are healthy and extract from the quest of a curious muslim the quest of a curious muslim aims to respond to the frequent frequently asked questions that have been brought to the attention of authors over the past several years in the fields as imams and efforts have been made to keep the responses simple and easy to follow and um, one particular question uh, when it comes to even mental health issues that how can i be happy um and and the answer to that is that if boredom is causing you unhappiness finding things to keep yourself busy this can include focusing on some school work finding a new job volunteering more in your community and so on and sometimes spending more time with the family and friends can help boost your mood as well and if you want to boost your mood by yourself then take up more physical activity exercise is a great way to relieve any stress that you may have and it can arrange anywhere from yoga and a hike to swimming and playing a sport and you can also boost your mood by taking up a new hobby through something creative and this can include painting cooking and even drawing and uh, you know i'd like to mention here as well that by the towards the end of the month um the dates have been announced as well and we have been circulating within <clears throat> our youth members that on the 29th 30th and 1st of october will be the annual con- annual convention of the md muslim youth association um and we would encourage all our youth members as well that to please take their time out and come to this event as well it's going to be a very um jam packed program there's going to be a lot of <clears throat> activities that is going to be taking place there's going to be um a kabaddi competition as well which is going mm-hmm. to be taking place 
um and uh, have you played kabaddi yourself but i haven't played i haven't played myself uh-huh. do you understand the rules <laughs> i don't know <laughs> it would just be i would just be a spectator if i uh-huh. if i do go mm-hmm. there but my my main duty will be uh with the uh, with regards to the education Academic. okay. academics uh-huh. and uh, nice. so uh, we we've got some very interesting games for our for our, uh, for our for the for our youth uh-huh. as well for example we were introducing um an observation test where uh-huh. uh, there will be different things on the table uh-huh. uh, you might even be blindfolded uh-huh. uh, you'll be asked to test check your taste you'll be eat, eating maybe uh, we'll give you different flavored sweets uh-huh. uh, where you have to guess which uh, flavor it is um uh-huh. Uh, th- there's going to be uh, a team quiz as well which will be taking so place it's not like a bush tucker st- uh, test you won't be you won't be trying people to taste these creepy crawlies no, no? <laughs> <laughs> okay so it's something okay more sedate all right and yeah. we'll be checking your observation skills as well if you might be asked to uh-huh. watch a video and then um then uh, you know we will give you questions and answers to oh. write on the your observation skills as well mm-hmm. uh, another thing we'll be introducing uh, is still in the pipeline mm. is um, we're going to be having a national uh, talim uh, test mm-hmm. uh, so this will be a test uh, for all of the youth members uh, we'll have about 30 questions in there which they'll answer and uh, if they do answer all of them correctly um and additionally they've done some other tasks as well we've told them to do um they they could be uh, on their way to winning a free burger meal from the oh. from the bazaar <laughs> okay <laughs> so we're introducing some new initiatives uh-huh. where uh, it will be a lot interesting for the youth members mm. burger uh, meal so not just a burger uh, burger meal burger meal <coughs> okay so no cost spared is it yes Yeah. Full good burger meal, very good, <laughs> right? Okay, so that that that's the academics, is it? That will be the academics. And how many people are you expecting uh, to attend? And how many people do you think will be uh, participating in your academics? Uh, so uh, last year we, I think, almost had uh, about a thousand people who had attended. Uh-huh. They went from uh, <coughs> from our previous figures mm-hmm. that we have. Um, so we are trying to increase this number as well mm. um hence you know there are different initiatives we've introduced um to get uh, to get to get our brothers to uh, you know really uh, make sure they're part of the mm-hmm. part of the vibe itself yeah yeah so sorry not 1000 we had uh, we had about in total we had about 500 participants uh, mm-hmm. from last year Okay. So we'll be looking at ways how we can increase it mm. um make sure it's a bit exciting for our youth members as well but uh, I think the these three days um the the youth itself encourages a lot on sports as well and exercise and the well-being of the youth um and, and not only that but also focuses on spirituality um where the a lot of the members will be staying on site and uh you know they'll be waking up for the the voluntary prayers the, uh taking part in the prayers and uh obviously the highlight of the event as always uh is will be his holiness 
Mm-hmm. Um, his holiness is addressed to the youth as well. Um, you know, I know in a lot of the regions, a lot of the members they've started um, having football matches. They're already training for the main uh, football event itself. So you're having qualifiers. G- Hmm? Uh, the the oh is it just training? For is, I think it's oh. just training. Um, okay. So the it will be in the last in the main three days where the match uh-huh. will be taking place. But uh, it it it's it's good. You know you know you a lot of the youth members they're keeping busy, um, and they're focused on uh, strengthening their football team as well. And this is what we see as well. Even you know uh, look if we look at the life of the early prophet peace be upon him. Um, you know, as as I've mentioned before as well, that uh, it's very well recorded that uh, during his lifetime he actually had a race with his wife, Hazrat Aisha, and uh, it is recorded that once the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, beat his wife in the race, and then mm-hmm. the other time his mm-hmm. uh, his wife uh, had beaten the Holy Prophet, peace be upon mm-hmm. him, in the race, mm-hmm. um, and also the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, he has recorded. To have said that al mu'min al mu'min if that a healthy believer is uh, better than a weak believer, mm-hmm. and uh, and if we turn to the life of the holy, the promised Messiah peace be upon him, the founder of the Amdi Muslim community, Azam Zawlam Ahmed, um, we know that throughout his life he wrote many books, over hundred books, which is known as uh, you know the Ruhani Khazain. But also there is the Malfuzat as well, which is a collection of different addresses of the Promised Messiah, peace be upon him. Um, so there's there's a, a lot a lot of um, time that the Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, he spent in writing and defending Islam as well. And for for those people that have had the chance to go to Qadian, who've seen. Um, you know, Masjid Mubarak and <coughs> different rooms, you'll come to see that the the style of Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, when he would write uh, <coughs> different pamphlets or letters, is that he, he would be walking while he would be writing the letters and on one side there would be ink pot and then on the other far end there would be another ink pot and he would dip his ink on one side and he would continue writing and when you would get to the end of the other side he'll re- his ink will finish and then he'll put this ink pot uh, he'll put his ink in the ink pot again so you'll see as well when you do go to Qadian that there's mm. those little places where the promised Messiah peace be upon him he would uh, dip his pen, mm. pen in the ink um, so, so he would not be sitting down when he wrote. Yeah. He would uh, be standing. He would be standing up. Yes, that, I mean we covered uh, that story about uh, <laughs> the onset of dementia being uh, uh, more, uh, more. Um, well, uh, there's a risk, a greater risk of those to those people who sit down and do their work, rather than those who who standing up. So yes, uh, so this is something that was uh, unconsciously recognized at that mm, time as well. Mm. Okay, and mm-hmm. and even it's recorded regarding the promised Messiah that he would go for very long walks, mm-hmm. despite his very busy schedule. He always had made time to you know to go for very long walks, and he would go from Qadian to Batala. Mm-hmm. Um, he would go all the way to the river Bias. Um, 
banks of bayas and uh, come back and uh, e- even we see um from the life uh, from the successors of the of the promised messiah peace be upon him as so they encouraged to look after one's physical health and uh, i have a few quotes here from the writings uh, fr- from uh, the uh, from the third khalif of the amnib smith hazm al-nasir ahmed in which he encouraged uh, cycling Mm-hmm. At one place he said that why do you stand for buses and waste your time exercise become healthy and ride a bike uh, I have said it before and I say it again today that in a short time I won 100000 ahmadi cycles an ahmadi cycle is that which is ridden by an ahmadi and the, these 100000 ahmadi cycles should have the ability to cycle up to 100 miles in a day and uh, at the opening speech uh, of the md muslim youth association uh, the the annual event which took place in pakistan on the 2nd of november 1973 his holiness said that there are thousands of other advantages to cycling too for example many have to go for household errands or shopping and if you have a cycle you will have a lot of your quality time and the, and the following glad tidings will also be fulfilled in your person that was given to the promise uh, mehdi in these words that you are the sheikh the messiah whose time shall not be wasted thus we have to be attentive towards time saving and obtain maximum benefit from little time available so that those blessings may be fulfilled in ourselves as well so here He is saying that another benefit to keeping fit is that you'll also be time-wasting. And just as you know, the, the, the promised Messiah, he received the revelation that your time shall not be wasted. Similarly, you know, being, uh, being the followers of the promised Messiah as well, we should also um, take note of that and make sure our time is, is not wasted. and uh, also um the promised messiah peace be upon him um it's also noted that he would exercise with weights uh, the second caliph as well azam zabashiruddin mahmud ahmed used to travel out of qadian for hunting and once participated in a race with his children and servants on the banks of river bayas <clears throat> and he is recorded to have said that we inculcate the habit of ex- of physical exercise so that we can be lithe and active and so that our limbs become strong and so that we gain courage and um, also um, it is also recorded um, at one place in uh, in 30, 31 of march 1973 um the third caliph his his holiness said that cycling is an excellent form of exercise for maintaining good health and if one rode a bicycle slowly one would be able to cover a distance of up to 100 miles a day and the youth from all over pakistan that i have come to attend um the shura which which had taken place at that time um 
he said that a lot of youth members they've come to attend the event on bicycles and if cycling became a habit when the need arose our youth would immediately meet the need without waiting for other means of transport such as cars and on the 19th of July 1973 during his visit to the UK Zolinas gave the community the, the the community here in the UK the target of training 100,000 active cyclists within 7 years and the scheme has spread to various parts of the world on the occasion of uh, Jalsa Salana 2007 23 members from four regions um around the country came on bicycles covering a difficult journey of 117 kilometers to attend the Jalsa and it is also the practice of um, of of certainly the Ahmadiyya Muslim Elders Association that they uh, this time as well that they a lot of the members had cycled to the annual convention in Germany um and we see that a lot of the uh, youth members as well um alongside uh the the head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community in Germany you know they do every year uh, they do cycle from uh, Germany to uh, the UK as well to attend the annual convention so with that uh in a nutshell the crux of the matter is that we should look after our physical health as well just like uh you know we should be looking after our spirituality um we should also be looking after our physical health as well and uh, you know the fourth caliph he used to say that uh, Uh, even with regards to prayer that you know just like we are looking after our our hunger sometimes you know we eat three times a day but apart from that sometimes we're always having snacks in between as well so we're constantly eating um similarly we should look after our spiritual health and uh, and and vice versa that when it comes to our physical health as well we should give it time as well as our physical health has that that right upon us as well so with that you know may um you know may allah the almighty enable all of us as well that we are able to look after our physical health as well um and you know with that i'll conclude the islamic perspective on this brother lead if mm-hmm. uh, you could uh, let us know what we'll be discussing in the second segment um a little bit about that and then we can go into the 8 o'clock news Yes, certainly. Um, so we've uh, got a very full second segment. I mean, we'll be looking at uh, the science of midday napping. Um, so the siesta uh, is sometimes called, referred to as 40 winks as well. Uh, something that uh, is very much practiced in uh, hot countries. Uh, so it is when uh, people uh, steal a few moments some even extended to hours during the uh, middle of the day when it's very hot to do anything uh, and uh, whether that is uh, something of benefit uh, or otherwise and so we'll be discussing issues relating to that uh, with um, professor uh, Damien Bailey uh, now professor Bailey is uh, a royal society Wolfson research fellow and a professor of physiology and biochemistry at the University of uh, South Wales so it'll be interesting to discuss this particular topic uh, with him uh, we also hope to be joined by Dr Emma Newport uh, 
Now, New, uh, Evan, uh, Dr. Newport uh, is a senior lecturer in physiology, uh, sport and performance. Uh, that's at the University of Portsmouth. Um, so, again, it'll be very interesting uh, to uh, take, have her take on this particular issue. And then um, I know Imam Tuki spoke and discussed the whole subject with uh, Professor Amtul Razak Michael earlier. Uh, she's a, a consultant, uh, and uh, that interview also is something that we'll be sharing uh, with our listeners during the next uh, um, segment of the show that's going to be following the 8 o'clock news. So, uh, so that was with uh, Dr. Amtaraza Carmichael and Dr. Sarmad Mangat. So it was oh, okay. Okay. So it was it was both of them that had uh, joined the conversation. I see. And uh, both both of them gave their insight into the topic of midday napping. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll be listening to to that. Uh, but now we have the eight o'clock news. Uh, we'll be back and uh, we'll discuss the topic. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Peace be upon you, good morning. Welcome back to the Backfish of the Voice of Islam with Imam Tukir Tonvir Khan and myself, Walid Ahmed. The time is approaching three minutes past eight. It's Friday, the 15th of September 2023. As mentioned before the 8 o'clock news, we are going to be approaching this particular topic now. This is uh, entitled The Science of Midday Napping. Uh, it's something that we picked up from the Review of Religions website. And uh, essentially it is saying that midday napping is also known as siesta. It derives its name from hora sexta, a Latin term referring to the six hours after dawn. Uh, siesta is a common practice in uh, Mediterranean, uh, Southern Europe, uh, uh, Middle East, Indian subcontinent and parts of China. In these places, high midday temperatures make work uncomfortable. Uh, this midday nap is also referred to as uh, Tasila and Kalula in Arabic and Kontrora in Italian. Um, so just uh, to... Um, uh, re, um, repeat, uh, midday napping uh, offers numerous benefits, uh, particularly for neurological and cardiovascular health. Uh, it enhances alertness and performance, specifically improving executive functions of the brain such as planning, memory retention, and multitasking. Midday naps effectively aid in the recovery of faculties such as working memory, and cognitive abilities which may decline due to sleep deprivation. A brief midday nap can enhance cognitive abilities and has scientifically proven benefits on tiredness, concentration, and attention. And uh, as far as cardiovascular and neurocognitive uh, benefits are concerned, well, uh, this particular article in the Review of Religions is saying that midday napping offers several cardiovascular health benefits. The siesta habit potentially improves long-term cardiovascular health 
and reduces the risk of aneurysm rupture. Researchers from the University of Hospital of Lausanne in Switzerland observed 3,400 people aged 35 to 75 for an average of five years. They discovered that those who napped once or twice uh, per week have a lower risk of incident uh, cardiovascular events. Uh, Now, there's also um, uh, midday napping in different populations. That is a subject that is explored by the review religions in their article. And they say that the beneficial effects of midday napping are not limited to adults. Evidence shows... Uh, or suggests that habitual midday napping enhances the neurocognitive function in early adolescence. Scientific uh, studies show that uh, frequent nappers have higher accuracy in sustained attention and nonverbal reasoning tasks, regardless of, night, of uh, nighttime sleep duration and quality. Short naps also positively affect mood, as observed in a study where midday nappers reported joy and relaxation. In children, napping is associated with higher verbal IQs, improved academic achievements, and reduced internalizing behaviors. Additionally, napping is linked to fewer emotional and behavioral problems. Uh, Indeed, there is evidence suggesting that midday napping can positively impact the health of elderly individuals. Aging alters our sleep patterns and napping can improve mental and physical well-being. One study discovered that regular napping lowers the prevalence of cognitive frailty and enhances quality of life in the elderly. Short nap durations are linked to reduced likelihood of hypertension and a lower systolic blood blood, uh, durations are linked to a reduced likelihood of hypertension and a lower systolic blood pressure. Furthermore, another study found that a midday uh, nap increases alertness as measured by EEG and lower uh, diastolic blood pressure, while these findings suggest that uh, regular napping may have benefits for elderly individuals. It is important to note that more regular uh, napping may have benefits for uh, um, um, elderly individuals. Uh, It is important to note that more research is needed to fully understand the potential effects of napping on this population. In addition to its benefits uh, for pregnant women, uh, siesta has also been shown to enhance physical performance. Studies have demonstrated that napping prior to an all-night work shift can improve uh, performance over the night and also alleviate the uh, heightened pain sensitivity resulting from sleep deprivation. And uh, finally, uh, uh, athletes uh, napping prior to training or com- uh, or competition can lead to better performance outcomes. So napping all round is uh, considered to be a very positive uh, practice, at least according to this particular article that has been featured in the Review of Religions. So there must be an Islamic perspective to this. So, uh, but uh, before we listen to that, are we going to be uh, listening to uh, the uh, conversation that uh, Imam Tukir had uh, with uh, uh, Dr. Carmichael and one other expert? So here is what was said then. So we have with us today at the Voice of Islam radio station, Professor 
Amtharaza Carmichael, and she is a consultant. Uh, Asalaamu Alaikum. Thank you for joining us today at the Voice of Islam radio station. Uh, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Wa Alaikum Asalaam. Thank you very much indeed for the opportunity. And my notes also show that um, you qualified as a consultant in 1987 with gold medals for academic excellence and undertook your surgical training at major teaching hospitals in London, Edinburgh and Philadelphia. So, Zakla uh, for, for joining us today. And we are also joined by Dr. Sarmat Mangat and you are a junior doctor currently working in the in the UK and uh, Dr. Sarmad is deeply interested in theology, theology theological issues relevant to medicine. Asalaamu Alaikum. Thank you for joining us today. Um, thank you so much for having me. So we're looking at the topic of sleep and particularly midday napping and uh, Dr. Sarmad, I'll come to you first. Um, so the question is for the benefit of our listeners. Can you yes. tell us a uh, about the practice of midday napping. Midday napping, as it is popularly known as siesta. Uh, so siesta is a term, is a Latin term, which means uh, six hours after dawn. It's a common practice in uh, throughout the world, particularly observed in the Mediterranean region, Middle East, um, and Indian subcontinent, and some parts of China. And if you look at one thing, all these regions have in common is their temperature. So during the midday, temperatures are quite high. And uh, people in these countries uh, traditionally observe what we call a midday napping or siesta. This is, uh, in, uh, so siesta is, since it's a Latin term, it, it has got different names in different parts of the world. In Arabic, it is known as uh, the Sila or Kailula. And uh, Dr. Amtharazak uh, Kamaiko, if you could also share your expertise on this subject, what's, what's your view on um, the practice of midday napping? The original Latin term for midday napping is Hora Sexta, which means six hours after dawn. So it has been practice of many, many cultures to take rest in the middle of the day uh, break up their day and to be motivated and to be energized to work uh, in the afternoon. And if you look at modern-day Europe in Spain and France, practice of siesta is common, again, because during summer months, uh, days are hot and it is very difficult to work in these conditions. So that's why uh, we practice of siesta is common in the world. Perfect. And now there's certainly a lot of health benefits to midday napping. Uh, Dr. Sarmad, if you could explain um, or give an overview of some of these health benefits. Yes. Uh, so whenever we look at the benefits, we divide it into different uh, different systems of the body. So we've got cardiovascular, something that relates to the heart. We've got neurological that relates to the brain and cognitive functioning. So um, this... Um, this, um, if we look at siesta, it offers uh, quite a lot of benefits. Um, if you just uh, pause for a moment and just step back and think how uh, sleep can affect you, can positively influence, you will have an idea that it's a pretty good practice. So let's, if we look at it, so 
it helps with memory retention planning cognitive uh, cognitive uh, functioning and there was a study in switzerland uh, which they observed 3400 people between the ages of 35 and 75 over the course of 5 years and they studied will that people who observed this um, midday napping once or twice a week they had a lower incidence of cardiovascular events problems relating to the heart so it definitely has lots of potential and if you look at it it's very interesting and uh, professor kamaka if you can further elaborate on some of these benefits sure so the benefits of midday napping just are across the board um from our brain as you know our brain stores memories and reorganizes them when we are asleep so having a midday nap gives our brain a space to reorganize whatever we are doing and that has led to increased capacity to learn in the afternoon and it has people who take the practice of midday napping they have better memory and it is thought to be because their brain's ability to reframe their um knowledge in at a certain time during the day also during the um people who have who take midday nap the cognitive abilities that, that is their ability to understand things and their ability to work with the higher functions of the brain tend to be better than those who do not take midday nap so and again the benefit for heart has been explained very very well and there was a study where there are some people who develop the main artery in their abdomen gets a bit bigger is called aneurysm and people who have the habit of doing a midday nap their risk of rupturing that aneurysm was lower than those who didn't so the benefits that are associated with midday napping affect as dr mongat said they affect every part of the body uh, both physically and mentally and psychologically thank you so there's a lot of benefits to midday napping and uh, dr mangat are these limited to adults or do other age groups also benefit from midday napping uh, the benefits are certainly not limited to just adults um, or just any particular age group everyone and anyone can benefit from the benefits of midday napping if you look at children um you'll see that children sleep a lot and if you look at um their learning so when they're early adolescent they learn a lot and quickly and there's one thing that children sleep a lot so sleeping age in the so having these midday naps like we previously talked about helps in the cognitive abilities so sleeping the benefit of sleeping translates over here as well additionally if we look at um at the elder population um so there are two things when we measure the blood pressure there are two things that we look for the systolic and diastolic blood pressure so having shorter um short durations of nap or midday napping yes sir, it actually reduces the likelihood of getting hypertension and it helps reduce, helps keep the low uh, diastolic blood pressure a bit lower which is uh, actually beneficial for the elderly and then as we also talked about 
the alertness. So everyone benefits from the, the uh, from the um, from every uh, from the benefits of uh, midday napping. It's not just related to a particular age. And if we look at um, the women, pregnant women particularly uh, get a lot of benefit um, with midday napping. It is not a substitute for night for a good night's sleep, but if you have uh, if you have been sleep deprived, having a midday nap can, to a certain extent, make up for it. That's very interesting. And uh, Professor Carmichael, what are your views on this? Um, I concur with what Dr. Mangut has said, that the benefits are for both children, adults, elderly, and also for pregnant women. What is also important to see is that people who, who do night shift, as Dr. Mangut alluded to, that napping does not replace night uh, proper good night sleep. However, people who do night shifts, if they have nap during the day, that makes them feel better and perform better. And I think that's quite an important thing in our society where we are sort of everything is almost going 24 hours, that napping is an opportunity to disconnect from all the challenges and difficulties and give yourself a break. And uh, Dr. Mangat, you mentioned that a lot of midday napping can be found in the Mediterranean as well. And uh, in the Middle East as well, certainly they do practice midday napping. I know that uh, when I had the chance to go to Spain, uh, this was very much practiced in Spain as well. I wanted to come now to the Islamic teachings about sleep and midday napping. So, Dr. Mangat, if you can please share some Islamic perspective on this. So, um, Islam is a region of practicality. Islam taught us so many things, so many practical things that are being uh, discovered by science and being uh, taught by science now, being taught by science now. So, sleep is one of the one of the most crucial bits in one's life and definitely Islam and um, the Islamic culture definitely has lots of advice about that as well. If we look at, um, if we go back into the history, Hazrat um, Anas, if we relate to one of his things uh, that Muslims used to offer Friday prayers earlier and have a midday nap afterwards. So this was long time ago, this practice, this was the practice. And if we, and if you look at our prophet's life, um, there is um, um, Sunnah that uh, uh, there, if you look at uh, prophet's life, we definitely have some guidance over there as well. Yes, as Dr. Margaret said, Islam is a very practical religion, and he gave a very good example of the uh, practice of the Holy Prophet Um And the Holy Quran, which is our holy book, the sleep has been mentioned in that in a very, um, in, in, in more detail. So in Arabic, there are two words to describe sleep. Um, uh, the word for a long sleep is norm, and the word for short sleep is salula. Uh, so in the Holy Quran, the sleep has been mentioned and sinna is the short duration of sleep, and nome is the deep, long duration of sleep, as we alluded to, the long sleep of the night and midday napping. Um, 
so if you look at the Holy Quran, um, there are three times that have been um, identified as times of privacy in which people could relax and dress casually. And this is a time when we'll be resting. And one of those times is midday. The Holy Quran is a practical religion. The Holy Quran gives very practical advice about living our lives. And one of that important advice is that during the middle of the day, we can take some time off to remain and casual, to relax, and if possible, follow the practice of Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him by taking a short period of sleep. Um, very interesting um, conversation we've had here on uh, midday napping um, and Zakla, uh, may Allah the Almighty bless both of you for joining us today as well. Now before we let you go, if you can answer one final question, I'll come to Dr. Sarmad. If you can give some practical advice about midday napping. I know, I know many people who, you know, that have tried midday napping, but a lot of people say it's not for them, you know. So what advice can you give us? Midday napping. If um, it's, it doesn't work for everyone, but it's a practice that, is help, that has so many advantages, so many benefits. So the idea is to, do, to follow something that your body allows you to follow or what your schedule allows you to follow. Um, if we are able to incorporate 10 or 15 minutes of nap during our busy schedule, it can definitely benefit us. I, def- I remember one of my friends from, back, uh, from in, in medical school used to nap. He would call it a power nap. Well, I, would, I never really particularly believed in the benefits. At that point, I would always find him very fresh and energetic even in the later half of the day. So I tried this. A couple of years later, I tried this, and it definitely has a lot of potential, a lot of advantages. So it's just about uh, finding that right balance in which your body and schedule allows you to nap and then carry on with your day. But uh, like we previously talked about, it's not a replacement for your night's sleep. You definitely need a night's sleep as well. But if it can be incorporated, I'm pretty sure lots of people really get lots of advantages from this. <laughs> and just a comment about your friend, uh, Imam Sab. It is very clearly shown that the optimum time for nap is about 10 to 20 minutes. Mm. If you try and sleep for longer time, um, then it would lead to feeling a bit groggy and a bit disoriented in the afternoon. And timing of nap is also important. If napping is taken after 3 p.m., then it impacts negatively on the night sleep. And if you don't have good night sleep, then you don't have a good day. So sleep is kind of just after the midday and the timing of the Zuhar or Juma namaz, just after that would be uh, would is the optimum time of napping and practicing that carries the health benefits. Fantastic, uh, Professor. Um, right, so that was a, a conversation with uh, you Imam both of you once uh, again, with Dr. Mangat and Dr. Carmichael, earlier and that uh, we shared with you. Um, we also hope to be speaking to Professor. Read the article um, they have written for Review of Religions. 
Uh, so you can check that out on their website. So it's luck to both of you. Thank Many you thanks for having us. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you. My apologies. I think I was uh, speaking over uh, Imam Tuki's interview. My apologies, Imam Tuki. I hope you don't <laughs> you don't hold it against me. Um, yes. So that was a conversation with uh, Dr. Carmichael and Dr. Manga that uh, Imam Tuki had uh, earlier that we were sharing with you. We also hope to be uh, speaking to Professor Damien Bailey uh, shortly. Um, so uh, we'll have that conversation uh, with him in due course. Yes, so um, all living things uh, actually essentially require rest after activity because activity it entails wear and tear of living tissues and rest means their repair and uh, during sleep worn out cells are replaced and waste products are eliminated and not only do human beings and animals require sleep but plants also stand in need of it and this is well exemplified when it comes to the case of the sunflower which opens its petals um, at sunrise and closes them at dusk and regarding the best time for sleep it is known it is evident that night is the best time for it um, and it's not a question of mere custom that people work during the day and go to sleep at night nature itself seems to have made the daylight hours specially suited for work and nighttime for sleep and rest and departure from this natural order causes greater strain and results in ill health and and we see that um for a lot of those individuals that do uh work in the nighttime hours and they do uh then sleep in the daytime hours it has a huge impact on their health um so this is how Allah the Almighty has made it uh, that he has made the night for sleep and the daytime hours uh, for work and this is what we see um, when uh, when we read the Holy Quran as well and this is found in chapter 30 verse 24 where Allah the Almighty says in the name of Allah the Gracious the Merciful and among his signs is your sleep by night and by day your seeking of his bounty in that surely are signs for a people who hear and uh, the the alternation of day and night provides one more evidence of the wisdom and intelligence underlying the creation of the universe and normally man works by day and needs the rest at night to replenish his tired and jaded faculties and one of the signs of Allah is our sleep and he has mentioned in the above verse is a limited experience of life after death um, and uh, you know this, this is further also elaborated in other verses of the Holy Quran so generally sleep it uh, interferes with the metabolism and stimulates the power of assimilation and prolonged sleep is also not good and is injurious to your health because it favors the absorption of foul vapor that is why a prolonged period of sleep uh, depresses an individual instead of refreshing and invigorating him and the advisability of alternating short periods of rest with the short periods of activity is thus very clear. Um, uh, Brother Vlid, when it came comes to, um, I mean, we'll we'll go further into 
the the discussion of this or the islamic perspective but i do believe uh, now we are joined by our first uh, first guest um we are joined now by dr emma newport um good morning to you and thank you for joining us today at the voice of islam radio station oh good morning and thank you very much for having me Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Brother Vleet, if I pass the mic on to you. Okay, thank you. Um, yes, thank you for joining us, uh, Dr. Uh, Newport. Um, can, can you explain the significance of midday napping for athletes in terms of performance and uh, recovery? Yes, yeah, certainly. So athletes um, undergo very high training loads um, and they need time to recover and regenerate. Uh, so obviously sleep is really important for that. And um, as as athletes, generally they'll need between seven to nine hours of sleep a night, but they can't always get that. So naps can really help, um, you know, after lunch naps can really help just make sure they get enough sleep to ensure that they get sufficient rest and recovery and all of those regeneration things that occur during sleep in mhm and uh, how long did you say these this these naps should uh, ideally take place for so there are, there are a couple of rules of thumb for napping so we we generally nap for a couple of different reasons either it can be for enjoyment you enjoy napping um it can be to catch up on sleep or it could be that you want to bank sleep and prevent um you know if you know you're going to have a competition or a long journey ahead of you um and so what we recommend with sleeping um with napping is that you do it earlier in the day so generally um around 2 p.m. when you know you've had that you've had your lunch and you feel a little bit sluggish that's a really good time to nap to so do it early um in the day so you're not affecting your um nighttime sleep drive and also try and keep it short so mm. um generally around 30 minutes or less is a good nap duration um you can nap for longer so a whole sleep cycle is around about 90 minutes um but you risk the longer the nap you risk going into deep sleep and i'm i'm sure everyone's woken up from a nap before feeling sluggish and that's what happens when you have longer naps so generally keep it sleep keep um naps short and uh nap early in the day mm-hmm. so in your experience when you're advising uh, athletes do you find that this has made a difference Uh, yeah certainly so some sports that i've worked with actually have um facilities on site to allow athletes to nap um so when we nap there are certain hormones or when we sleep there are certain hormones released that help with rest and regeneration and things like muscle growth and for an athlete that's really really important mm-hmm. and if you don't and i'm sure everyone's had that feeling if you don't get enough sleep you get you know it can affect your emotions you can make poor decisions and for athletes if that happens out you know on the field that can have impacts on their performance so absolutely certainly naps and sleep are really important for our athletes and um we do promote use of them if they're required if mm-hmm. they're not getting enough sleep in the night So you mentioned, you know, naps ideally at around lunchtime. Would that be before lunch or after lunch? I mean, it, it depends what time you woke up. I think is probably uh. the first thing to say. So if you if you're waking up around seven a.m., then usually after lunch at around two p.m. Um, is 
when you feel sluggish and you get that increased sleep drive so you really want to you want to sleep so it it's it's based on the duration of time since you've woken up effectively so it's probably the best way to judge it but it's also linked to your activity levels the light you're exposed to any stresses you may be experiencing as well Mm. but um yeah generally um you know that sort of after lunch time is the best time to nap for most people on a regular schedule Mm-hmm. So you, you, you lecture on physiology at the University of Portsmouth. I mean, you uh, look into this particular subject a bit more deeply. I mean, what physiological mechanisms or benefits are associated with uh, mid-napping uh, for athletes especially? Yeah, so one of the main things for athletes is, as I've mentioned before, you get this release of growth hormone um, when you sleep, which helps with um, muscle regeneration and repair, which you can imagine after a lot of exercise is really needed. Um, The other thing that happens when you sleep is it helps with uh, emotional regulation and, and helps stave away things like type 2 diabetes and other health issues as well and generally that napping supports brain function and maintains physical health so at a top level really important for our athletes Mm, thank you thank you very much Um, I've got my colleague also with a couple of questions we don't mind asking uh, answering them as well please sure thank you Uh, good morning Emma I wanted to ask you have you conducted any research or studies related to midday napping and its impact on athlete performance? And if, if so, could you share some key finding or insight into this? Yes, so, so we're currently doing a research study at the University of Portsmouth um, looking at the impact of napping on our um, university athletes. Um, and we're still doing the study at the moment, but the initial findings are that, um, firstly, perhaps unsurprisingly, our university university athletes don't sleep enough. Then when we introduce that nap, what we're seeing is improvement in cognitive performance. So what I mean by that is sort of reaction time, decision-making ability. Those are the main improvements that we're seeing in the in the study that we're doing at the moment. Great. And and when it comes to midday napping, what is the recommendation you'd say that how how long should a mid nap midday nap be? Again, it, it, it depends how much you slept the night before, the week before and your overall schedule. But generally, um, you know, if you've had a relatively normal night's sleep, a shorter nap of 30 minutes or less duration will mean you don't go into deep sleep normally. Um, And then when you wake up, you won't feel quite so uh, sluggish and you won't have what we call sleep inertia, which is where you feel, you know, you don't feel great immediately after a nap. So if you you know that you've got to go and do something important after you've had a nap, Mm. generally keeping it shorter will be better. But if you've got time, um, you know, if you know you've got nothing else planned that afternoon, you can extend those naps. And um, around 90 minutes is an entire sleep cycle, which will mean you go through the different stages of sleep, you have a deep sleep, and then you come back and hopefully you wake up more refreshed. Mm. 
Um, but yeah, those are the considerations that um, it is working around your life as well um, and just planning ahead because sometimes you can wake up groggy from naps. Uh, I mean, I, I personally find it very difficult to have a mi- midday nap. And I know <laughs> some of my other colleagues as well, they would also agree that it's very difficult to maybe have a little snooze in midday. What would you what would you say to that? Uh, how, how can we get into the habit of uh, midday napping? Yeah, I mean, the first thing is, do you need to? Um, maybe you're getting enough sleep at night, so you, you don't need to nap. It's not a requirement. If you're getting through the day and you don't feel that you know, you're so sleepy, you can't do what you need to do, then maybe you don't need to. But if you do want to nap, some of the things you need to think about are the environment that you're in. So it's it's really simple stuff. So it's, you know, a dark room that's quiet, that's a little bit cool, um, and just taking that time um, to allow you to switch off, put your devices away, no blue light, no screens, and just give yourself that time to drop off um, the environment is super important if you want to nap great and uh, just one last question from uh, my side is that how can athletes incorporate midday napping into their training schedules effectively and are there any considerations for different types of sports or athletes with varying training regimens yes so um Athletes will incorporate napping if they feel they need it into their schedule and generally that's something that's done with the coaching team. So there might be facilities on site that allow them to nap so they might have some sleeping pods available to them. Um, In terms of sports, there are some sports where napping might become more important. So those sports where you have to get up really early in the morning like swimming or rowing um, where normal standard sleep sort of schedules get disrupted and therefore it becomes more important to have I talked about those different types of naps but these are effectively catching up naps you know your sleep was restricted during the night because you have to get up early and go and swim so then you have a nap and um, which would normally be scheduled sort of uh, again early to mid-afternoon um, so yes that's something that the sports scientists um, like myself at the University of Portsmouth and um the physiologists working and coaches working with athletes will work into their training programs if they feel it's required. Great. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Dr. Emma Newport, Senior Lecturer in Physiology, Sports and Performance at the University of Portsmouth. Thank you so much for taking your time and sharing your expertise this morning. Oh, thank you. Thank you. 028687 7878 that's the number to call if you do want to get in touch with us um, and you can tweet to us at uh, Voice of Islam UK uh, or for more information um, to listen to um, you know the any of the shows later on you can listen to the breakfast show which is on from 7am to 9am or the drive time show from 4pm to 6pm you can tune in um, and a lot more um, information on our website on www.voiceofislam.co.uk. Uh, so, Brother Lee, the do you concur with what I said? Do you, do you also do midday napping? Or you find it difficult? I find it very easy. <laughs> <laughs> I can drop off anywhere at any time, really. Uh, so I don't know whether that's a sign of ill health or whether that's a sign of good health. But... Uh, <laughs> 
Napping is uh, too easy uh, for me. Uh, so you're, you're, yes. a, you're a pro. Eh? Yes, uh, yes. So I'm opposite to you. Um, I think so, it, it makes a difference with the age age difference as well. Really, so? um, I think uh, it, in terms of your age, you can easily just maybe mm. um, take a nap. Uh, I find it quite difficult to maybe sometimes take a midday nap. The reason being is I don't. But it's too much light, maybe uh, coming from the window, or too. I, I get there's too many distractions, so really? I find it very difficult to mm. to to fall fall asleep. Mm. But uh, what uh, the discussion we had earlier, even with um, uh, Professor Carmichael and uh, Doctor Mangad, they were mentioning that uh, this is found in the in the Holy Quran as well that. Uh, uh you should do midday napping um uh, you know th- there's a specific verse of the holy quran which mentions that you should take benefit from that and uh, i i was uh, i have I've read even regarding the fourth caliph the azam zatayra but that he would also have like a power nap during the day um mm. uh, just just to recharge and even in um in our in in our institute in Jamia the UK we mm. in our times table there was a specific one hour slot where we were told that you should go and take a nap mm-hmm. um uh, so obviously we would start the day very early uh with the morning voluntary prayers as well in summer you know that would would be waking up very early around 5 a.m we would be sleeping later on as well but there there was a definitely a slot for us that we should sleep for one hour and just recharge ourselves um but i, <laughs> I never got into the habit of that <laughs> okay what about do you actually uh, were you one of those who actually dozed off during lectures <laughs> <laughs> was that easier easier environment for you to go to sleep yeah it uh, have a nap? It, it, for some it was very easy but uh, i i i'd like to uh, say that I, you know I, i was trying i did try to remain attentive okay. during the during the lectures i know uh, with some students uh, that i was uh, i had the opportunity of giving training sessions to uh, from jamia <laughs> one or two of them did those off but that was perhaps because of my presentation st- uh, skills uh but yes uh, you know they found uh, they were found uh, dozing off um and un- and as i said before um i find napping so easy uh, anywhere anytime and um um even during lectures um some of the recent lectures that mm. i've had to attend mm. uh you you go in and you say what well, you're going to concentrate <laughs> <laughs> before you know it you're sleeping and you're waking up and finally the lecture is almost finished and uh, you missed half of it because uh, you had your um, power nap you know uh, you know what i find is that mm. sometimes when i'm taking notes during uh, such lectures it, it's it keeps me more attentive because there's a task for me to do i'm taking notes down so if i have to listen in order to take notes down but if i'm not even t- taking any notes down because Mm. you've relaxed yourself completely so maybe i think that's also a way oh, yeah. to uh, to sort of doze off uh, uh right. we, we were looking at the example of even when it comes to plants uh, such as the pla- uh, the example of the sunflower that 
during the sunrise the the petals would move their direction towards the sunlight and uh, when you know when when uh, it the sun has set uh, similarly it will have an effect on the sunflower as well um, you will see that uh, it will close itself so we see that even in within plants there is that example of uh, of sleep of sleeping pattern um the holy prophet peace be upon him is the best ideal in this respect and we see from his life that he generally went to bed early and got up a little after midnight for offering the hajjat prayers the voluntary prayers and taking a nap again in the forenoon and some people assert that it is advisable to go to bed late and get up late but this practice is unsound as well as unnatural and we find that all the animals and birds get up early in the morning and a muslim is commanded to get up early in the morning to say his prayers and this practice is natural as well as health- healthy the the uh, way which the holy prophet peace be upon him he slept uh, the direction of his sleep is also recorded um and sleeping on the back is unhealthy and it causes congestion of the spine which sometimes results in night discharges and sleeping on the face is an unsound practice sleeping mostly on the left side is injurious to you, to health because it causes embarrassment of the heart and consequent interference with the blood supply of the brain it also causes distressing dreams and uh, and cause of nightmares and scientific uh, postures of for sleep is lying on the right side and these facts have been established by modern medical research that they go a long way to prove the divine quality of islamic teaching as the holy prophet peace be upon him he also recommended to his followers to sleep on the right side the head moreover should point to the north because magnetic currents are constantly passing from north to south and they are in some mysterious manner connected with our nerves which the body should not oppose additionally the holy prophet peace be upon him joined enjoined upon the muslims to recite and meditate upon the text of the verse of the holy quran uh, entitled as aitul kursi and the last three chapters of from the holy quran before going to bed and these verses are not recited like a charm as will be seen the they deal with the most sublime attributes of god and as such deeply impress the mind of the individual and contemplation of these divine attributes purifies and alleviate, alleviates the soul and one seeks protection with god from all evil ideas and mischievous things and this practice is intelligently carried out become a great source of moral strength and it is also advisable to go to sleep soon after the evening meal and the old adage that after supper walk a mile holds good at all times and islam advises muslims to say their late evening prayer isha prayer in particular in congregation in a mosque and this commandment is good for the soul as well as the body and sleeplessness is a frequent cause of frequent cause and um accompaniment of insanity and hence 
It is very important to get a good night rest and sleeplessness can be overcome by uh, concentration of ideas at bedtime and factors which help in concentration and bring on sleep or ablution at bedtime, warm bath and hot drinks. And also, as it was mentioned above that, you know, um, just remembering Allah the Almighty and uh, uh, that is also one way to maybe focus one's attention and uh, that can also help um, when it comes to sleeping as well. It's quite fascinating um, really that uh, it's the Holy Prophet peace be upon him he advised his followers to sleep on the right side and uh, um, you know scientists also now now after 1400 years they've said that this is also very beneficial for your health and uh, medically is is found to have a lot of benefits so um, that is also very very interesting mm. Quite, yes, very interesting. Um, and uh, just another one of those things where uh, we find that uh, scientific uh, research is catching up to uh, what the teachings of the Holy Quran and the practice of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, have been indicating or had indicated 1400 years ago. Um, so it's again a very interesting uh, um, aspect that uh, we have been able uh, to cover. Um, I suppose that brings us uh, near the end of this program. Um, are you looking forward to uh, preparations of uh, this ishtama, this gathering that you're taking? Uh, oh, that yes. You oh, yes, it's, it's underway and a lot of um, a lot of work which is happening in the background as well. Um, every department is doing um, some sort of preparation for it. Um, certainly, the in terms of academics, there's mm. there's a lot of um, there's a, there's a lot of uh, action taking place, and we have shared few links as well for the youth as well that do want to participate um, in any of the competitions that do pre-register. We are, we have sent a link out. So do look for that and pre-register um, and we will be contacting you um, and giving you more information that if you want to take part in a particular competition, what's the best time for you to be there and you know, what's the syllabus. So we'll provide all the information, uh, but we do urge all our youth members as well that please do register on the link that we've sent you. And what kind of prizes do you have in store? Uh, so is it, I, is it a trip to the Bahamas? Or, <laughs> <laughs> we we've or actually Rolls Royce. We'll just we, we'll just go with the classic. Really, we've got our medals okay. uh, that we've ordered, uh, uh-huh. but uh, there is a chance to win burgers. Well, burger burgers, meals, of so, course, yes. That's so, uh, <laughs> <laughs> of course, yes. Burgers, yes, uh, yes. Very good. And uh, what, what about? Um, I mean, do you also cater for young children? So we're talking about, you know. As far from seven to fifteen, what kind of competitions do you have for them? Just the same as for the adults? No, they they actually have their own particular team who deals with them, uh-huh. um, and uh, they they have a lot more interactive competitions as well, um, such as you know they they do baking a cake or they they've got various baking a cake. They they have done it in the past where they've mm. they've made food as well. Oh dear, <laughs> edible food. <laughs> Something that you can eat afterwards? 
I think so. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> but but I think uh, the the de- relative department will will know better uh-huh. uh, as to some some of the exciting uh, events which will be taking place. Maybe maybe we can uh, get someone from the team on uh, yes. just to give us a little insight. They're not the ones who make the burgers that you give to the winners <laughs> of the other competitions, is it? No. No. Okay. <laughs> Right. Okay. Um, and uh, uh, our uh, uh, spectators also uh, welcome to this uh, gathering. Um, those people who are over forty, can they come along? Yes. Yes. Of course. I don't, I don't think we'll be uh, will be stopping anyone. Uh-huh. Um, it'll be at, in the open field, so uh, if we can get more people, uh, that's very good for us. And I think just generally, a lot of parents will be coming anyway to drop off their children or uh-huh. to. just uh, just see if the children are doing all right so um, it would be good to see you yeah it would be good to see you there. okay <laughs> <laughs> no no i'll be looking forward uh, to uh, tasting one or two of your burgers uh, <laughs> if that's possible um and where exactly is it then so uh the, this will be taking place it'll be taking near place at our jalsa site oh um, near alton it's near near, near alton uh-huh. yes I th- I believe the site itself is called Kingsley. Ah yes, I know it well. Yes. Yes. Okay. Right, and that's uh, on the first of October. Is it twenty nine thirty the first? Yes. Okay. Right. Okay. Um, looking forward. The attendance is must be the total attendance must be in this in the three or five thousand. Yes. Yes. Uh, I'm. I don't have the exact figure of what it was last year, but. Uh, um it should be around around that because i know uh when i was last that age uh we were re- rejoicing over the fact that we we had hit the uh, thousand figure so this is i'm talking about 1998 mm-hmm. um and surpassed that so this uh, the uh, community has grown mm-hmm. leaps and bounds since then so must be around 5 between 3 and 5 thousand i would have thought absolutely uh, but we'll see anyway absolutely. okay um so uh, that i suppose brings us uh, to the end of this particular broadcast it leaves us to thank those people who have contributed uh, to the preparation of um, this uh, <coughs> program uh, particular gratitude thanks uh, is due to brida uh, sohail and dr sakib uh, ahmed phd they were the producers and then uh, we also had uh, the help of researchers hala tahrim and faiza so thank you to them and uh, making sure that everything ran smoothly in the uh, uh, technical uh, room was akib ahmed adnan uh, so thank you to him as well uh we should also not forget those people who enable us to un- uh, understand the topics we were covering better now uh the first topic that we looked at was uh, about platelets and how they can replicate the benefits of exercise in the brain particularly useful for those people who for some reason are unable to engage in physical exercise so if the chemicals that are released by platelets as a result of exercise can be injected uh, into them or given to them some in some other form maybe through a tablet 
then they can still uh, receive the, the benefit of exercise without actually uh, um, um, engaging in physical exercise. And that's supposed to be of, of benefit uh, because the kind of chemicals released by the platelets after exercise are those that help in uh, cognition and staving off uh, dementia. Uh, so that uh, was an interesting subject that we covered. We also covered the uh, issue of uh, midnight napping, spent quite a lot of time on that. In fact, the last hour was spent on that. And uh, we were able to benefit from uh, the uh, uh, pronouncements or the views, should I say, of Professor Emma Newport. Uh, she is uh, a lecturer in physiology and f- focusing on sports and performance and her uh, seat of teaching is in the University of Portsmouth and then we also shared uh, with you the interview that Imam um, Tokir had with Professor uh, Amtul Razak Michael and Dr. Mangat uh, also covering this particular subject, the science of midday napping, and uh, we learned quite a few things as a result uh, of that. So thank you to them. And finally, uh, uh, our thanks also goes to our listeners uh, for staying the course and listening to our broadcast. Uh, We are going to be joining you again, uh, God willing, uh, next Friday, myself and Imam Tokir. But uh, that doesn't mean that... um, the uh, breakfast show will not be continuing. It uh, will be on, as usual, Monday to Friday, uh, 7 to 9 o'clock. Uh, so until uh, we uh, are back again in the studio, it's Islam Lakum from myself and Islam Lakum from uh, Imam Tokit. And we, there will be a short uh, interlude after that. You will hear the 9 o'clock news. Islam